What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today is a very special day in Locked on Blazer world. We've got Lamar Hurd, television analyst for the Portland Trailblazers with us. Lamar, how you doing, man? Mike, I am doing good. It's a pleasure to join you. How are you doing? I am doing great, man. It's August, and we're talking about the NBA when everyone else is avoiding the NBA. What could be better? (laughs) Yeah, basketball never stops. That's the saying, right? Exactly. Like you were saying, this is the only time in the... uh, all season long that anyone who works for the in the NBA really gets any time off. So I really appreciate yeah. you um, during your your brief summer escape joining the uh, yeah. good listeners of Lockdown Blazers. They appreciate it too. Wow. Looking forward to it. All right. So let's just get started. Let's jump right into it. Um, you know, this is a busy summer for the Blazers, particularly early in July. Um, reshaped the roster completely. Uh, just give me some of your general thoughts on the offseason and kind of what excites you the most about this new group. You know, I don't know if I have a most or least. Um, I, I think it's all really exciting for me. I, I think to start off is the re-signing of Rodney Hood mm-hmm. because going into the off season, I wasn't necessarily optimistic based on conversations that you know we had had with people around the team, the front office, that uh, the team would be able to, quite frankly, afford Rodney and, and get him to stay. But I, I'll tell you what made me start to feel a little bit differently about it is conversations Rodney would have as the season was closing and, you know, just talking about how for, for his family and him, you know, money isn't everything. It it is important, but the situation, and he would talk about how he feels like sometimes God realigns him and his family in certain positions. And he, he felt that way about the Blazers. And so I didn't have too much optimism just because I knew uh, how the numbers worked out on it, but, there was a little bit of a belief that he could come back. So that was very exciting because he got a starting caliber small forward, a really good one at that. And then, um, you know, acquiring somebody like Hassan Whiteside to play mm-hmm. down low, especially while Nurk is out, it, it's huge. Um, and, and the shooting, just the extra shooting that will be on the floor this year excites me because in my time with the Blazers, it appears to me that this will be the best shooting team when you look at all the positions, specifically three and four. And so Terry Stotts, as you know, just a, a, a great uh, coach all around, but especially on the offensive end, the type of system he runs, you hear players rave about it all the time. And so I think you'll just be able to see that offense be maximized a little bit more this upcoming season than maybe it has been in seasons in the past. Yeah, I mean, creating open looks for guys who are okay shooters versus creating open looks mm-hmm. for guys who are good shooters is a very different thing. Uh, yeah, and yeah I, definitely. And I had heard the same thing about Rodney Hood. Like, I, I think I even said on this podcast that the Blazers were bracing for him to leave. Like, the, the mm-hmm. I think not, not just you, but even the front office was surprised when Rodney said, yeah, no, I'd love to come back. You know, that's that yeah. number, that number works for me. I think that was a surprise um, for, for pretty much everyone around the team. Um, you mentioned Hassan Whiteside. We will get there shortly. He's the big one, um, figuratively and literally. But um, the other sort of big thing the Blazers did this summer is that they immediately signed Damian Lillard. First thing off the board was Dame's max, max extension. And, you know, just days after CJ was eligible for his extension, they went ahead and plopped that one down and got him inked 
inked. So what does it mean for this group, for this franchise, to have those two guys locked in, at least contractually, for the next five years? Uh, to me, it means everything because um, you, you look like a team that people look at around the league as kind of the gold standard of excellence um, in recent memory and just consistency is the San Antonio Spurs. Well, one way that the Spurs got there is consistency in the major categories, coaching, star player, front office, and you have this continuity that you can build off of um, in an era where the leashes are short. You know, star players don't get it done in the playoffs or, or what have you, and they get traded. Uh, coaches, uh, you know, win or lose maybe 10 more times in a season than somebody thought they would, and, and that's it. You get swept out the playoffs, that's it. You get fired. And so I think just establishing that consistency, both front office and then the coaching staff is great, but it really starts with your star players. And with two guys like Damon and CJ who have taken on the responsibility of leading what's considered a small market, uh, putting it on their shoulders, uh, not shying away from it, and having the ability to leave and go play for pretty much any other team in the league, for them to be as committed as they have been to this organization from, from, the, from day one um, is something that should be rewarded. It should be applauded. And they're really, really good. <laughs> so, yeah, it helps. That really helps. You, you, you know, yeah, you know, so, so just from that alone, you want to keep those guys together. You know, you've covered this league long enough to know it's rare to have two guys of uh, their skill sets sharing the backcourt together who never display an ounce of jealousy, envy. There's never a competition within one another. They work together with the leadership roles. Uh, that's, that's special. And when you have something like that that's special, that can give you contributions on the court to the level that they do, it's a no-brainer that you have to keep that together. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer for a variety of reasons. One, just like you said, like, they're really good. And and the mm -hmm. questions that you might have had about them kind of got answered in the playoffs last year. You know, can a team win uh, with, you know, two guards under 6'3 or whatever? I mean, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been where they were without Damon round one and CJ round two. Absolutely maximized mm -hmm. what they can do together. Um, and yeah. to get to get to the Western Conference Finals, and just financially speaking, and I, I think this is kind of unfortunately the way you, that people think about the roster is if they don't give that money to CJ, they're probably not giving it to anybody else. They're probably not. Yeah. They're, they're probably not attracting someone of CJ's level in two years level, to yeah. come join the team. Um, you know, yeah. they might be able to spend that money here and there to get some good parts to help this team. But CJ is would have would be an all star if he played in the other bracket. You know, if he played in the other conference, oh, yeah. he would be an oh, all star. Yeah. And the chances that yeah. that Portland is attracting an all star in their prime in two seasons just seems unlikely to me based on what the rest of how we've seen the summer in the NBA offseason go. People are going to big markets and nice, warm towns. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we don't live in either of those places. <laughs> well, not, not until the summer comes. You know, that, that's when it, it warms up a little bit. But yeah, to, to your point, um, you know, the, the, the front office is a, is a very intelligent one that can look at all of the factors and weigh all the different conditions and know, um, you know, should they make that type of move and sign a guy like CJ to his extension and Damien to his? And 
again, for me, it's just, it's just an easy answer. Um, just because being on, on, on a team at this level is not just about what happens in between the lines. It's, it's who are you throughout the entire season off the court? You know, like it's a long season and, uh, you know, like you, you can maybe go find a guy that's slightly more talented. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of guys at those positions more talented than those two. Uh, but it's, it's, it is that little bit of talent that you might have an edge on. Is it worth everything else they do? The fact that every time they come into work, they make people feel good about their jobs. They empower their teammates. They're, they're major factors in the community with all they do. It's like there, there's this, there's this huge uh, conglomerate of things that these guys bring to the table that, that it's really bigger than basketball. And you add the talent level on top of that, uh, to me, it's just not even much of a discussion as to whether or not to keep them around as long as you can. Yeah, and th- that's what I want to talk about. We're going to take a quick break. I want to ask you a little bit about sort of the, the famed culture we've heard about with the Blazers. Uh, you're probably as close yeah. to it as anyone in the media, but let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back in the second segment, and we'll talk all about that. Sounds good. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Locked On Fantasy Football. Fantasy football players, make sure you listen to Vinny Iyer and Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else, then you are the same as everyone else. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked On Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. All right, welcome back. Still Locked On Blazers, still Mike Richmond. We're still talking with Blazers television analyst Lamar Hurd. Lamar was just regaling us with uh, tales of why it's important to have two guys like Damon CJ. But I want to ask you, Lamar, you, you probably get to see things behind the scenes that no one else in the media or media adjacent can really, can really see. So is there, and I'm not asking you to, you know, peel back all your secrets, but is there sort of an anecdotal example that you can give to us sort of how the Blazers culture plays out? Like things you maybe see that are rare in the NBA world that, that fans and media types maybe don't get to see. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think w- 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 how much I can say. Yeah, I don't want to get you in like trouble. I just want a cool back. story. I, I know, I know, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a great question. I'm just, I'm weeding through it in my mind. Um, it's, I guess, I, what I would say is more than just one specific example. It's, it's an everyday attitude that uh, the leaders of the team come to work with. You know, like it, it's really easy over a three or four game losing streak, you know, when you're on the road and people are grumpy and we're getting into towns at 2 a.m. and, um, you know, stuff like that. It's really easy to kind of go into your own cells, your own boxes, not talk to the media. Uh, I'm talking about from the player standpoint. Right. But, but, but the guys are, they're just, they're, they're never like that. At, at least I haven't had that experience with them. I, look, you might have another media member that tells you something totally different. I'd be surprised if that's the case, but, uh, our experience as as the broadcast crew uh, with the team, whenever we need those guys, they're available. I guess here's one experience I can tell you. So you might remember from this past season where uh, Damian was not playing in the game against, I think it was Atlanta. It's whenever CJ had the triple-double. I think that was the Atlanta game. Yeah, that was the Hawks, yeah. And Yes, okay, at home. And so before the game, 
I went over to ask Damien a question, and and you know, Mike, you're around the team as well. I, I will rarely, you know, bug the guys if I don't have to. Right. I just kind of go to my broadcast position, do my business, go home, or go to the next stop, whatever the case is, because I know that those guys have to talk to media all the time. Yeah, they got to talk and to me so like four times each night. <laughs> they got they got to talk to you. They got they got to talk to to be Mike Richmond. And so, just from my position, I just try to give them as as much space as I can. But this night. Um, it was it was following a game at OKC where Westbrook was going off against Damian verbally. You know, like he was talking to him the whole time and all the. So I knew we were going to be going back to OKC pretty soon, and so I wanted to just connect with Damian literally for for two or three minutes, just to to ask him, is there anything I'm missing? Because I have not seen from Westbrook over the course of the past two seasons, what he has been been saying to you, you know, just over the course of these last two games. And so we sat down, thought it was going to be two minutes. I was done with my talking. He then sat there and talked for the next 15 minutes just about how he feels leadership should look, should look like, how leaders should conduct themselves, the responsibility, Somehow we transitioned into the role in the community. And so then I was telling him about my experience growing up as a kid in Houston and things that I had wished as a kid who was playing basketball, who aspired to play at a high level, uh, things that I wished that, you know, the Rockets would have done when I was a kid. And he was saying how there were things when, you know, he was in Oakland, things the Warriors did or didn't do, and how he just wanted to be the best leader possible. And so we just sat there and talked the whole time and several times throughout that conversation. I kept trying to get up just to give the guy a break, you <laughs> yeah. know, because it's like, dude, you don't have to spend this time with me. It's, it's all good, but that's just who he is. And, and you know, people talk about uh, that all the time, but Dame is, you know, it's just, it's just who he is every day. And even with CJ, the same thing, if I ever need something from him every day, and even, and, and, and a lot of times people get leadership confused with talent level. So there were guys on the, the roster the last few years who weren't the most talented of the players on the roster, but they were just as accommodating, just as helpful, uh, just as constructive to building a culture as the leaders uh, in the talent department were. And so to me, that's just really huge because um, I, I like to try to be an everyday person myself. I think that's, that's just important. I think just life is bigger than basketball or jobs. You know, no matter what your job or your stature is, there's just more to uh, the game of life. And so I just, I've always had a high level of appreciation for those two guys, uh, Dame and CJ as the guys that have been the leaders the longest. And um, again, it's t- to me, it's, it's an irreplaceable thing when you consider the talent they have to go along with it. So all in all, that's a long way for me to answer your question by saying they're just everyday people and it spans past the players and goes right to the coaching staff as well. Terry Stotts, as you know, to me is is the most – people call him a, a player's coach. Well, he's a media coach as well. Uh, he's a fan's coach as well because he, he, he is able to be relational with all of those people the same way, and he never changes. And so it's just, it's just a really special thing. It's a really special thing the team is building right now. Yeah, you, you don't see it. And I think to your point, it's like a lot of, a lot of 
fans or I think like the way people think about team is this sort of like 2k rating like well if we just yeah you know if we just trade yeah. out this one guy who's a 91 and get a guy who's a 93 sure. then we'll be better it's like it's it's not like yeah. that it is not it's it's, it's not like that it's like any job yeah. your co-workers have and to Mike, get along to your point you know like uh you're right you'll, you'll hear fans that you know say like so like the the really popular thing over the last couple of years has been from fans whenever the Blazers may be don't want to lose a streak or, or something, you know, there's a bit of a struggle. And not all fans, but you will hear this from some fans, the, the trade CJ thing was a thing. You know, trade CJ for uh, this superstar or combine them, you know, his value won't be higher than it is. And the thing that I would try to tell people whenever they would, you know, because fans would come talk to us before the game, after the game, or things like that, the thing that I would always try to get across to them is, okay, he, he might have had a bad game here, you know, he might he might be under his normal three point percentage uh, at this point in the season compared to where he normally is. But what you got to understand is the way that that he and 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 really the other pieces fit within this puzzle is bigger than just a shooting percentage. Like you might bring somebody else in here, but trust me, things are not going to be as calm when the team's on the road and they're down fifteen. To somebody you know like stuff starts getting volatile and so when when you have the type of chemistry that you have right now uh with this group like you're saying it's not 2k it's not just all right let's just swap this guy out and then <laughs> you get this yeah uh, the leadership that's in place is special and should be treated as such and it is being treated as such so on that note of chemistry i think um one of the biggest tests for the Blazers this season is going to be incorporating Hassan Whiteside. And not just because he's yeah. a new part, but because it's pretty well documented that he's had uh, maybe just consistency issues with his effort and attitude. Um, mm-hmm. This seems to be a real test for the Blazers' sort of chemistry and culture, the things that we that we tend to say are the real strengths of this team. So that's what I'd like to talk about in the third segment, what the addition of Hassan Whiteside means to the Blazers. Before we get there, I want to tell you guys about another podcast. It's football season, y'all. The new Locked On NFL is on fire. Last week, it was one of the most listened to NFL shows in the world, in the whole podcast space. It's got expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson, and it's hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. So we talked a bunch before the break about the Blazers' chemistry. And what I want to talk about in this segment is a real test for that Blazers' chemistry. Hassan Whiteside and how he'll challenge what they've built. So give me a reasonable argument of why fans should be optimistic that Whiteside's going to step in and be ready to go. Because nothing else is tolerated. And we've talked about Damien and CJ quite a bit, but CJ would tell you, if you had to pick one as the head, it would be Damien. And with the Damien, he makes it very clear right away that there's a certain way that this team is going to operate. There's a certain way you respond to coach. There's a certain time that you show up for things. There's a certain attitude that you have when you come to work. And when you have an MVP candidate that not only says that, but shows it all the time and doesn't have lapses, you just don't have a margin for error. You just don't. And then when it trickles down from the main star player, 
to everybody else in the roster and you feel the culture that is set, you start to feel like an idiot if you set any type of other um, attitude, precedent towards how to act. You just you can't be different because you're going to stand out and you're going to feel off. And so I, I really think it's as simple as that. You know, like there isn't somebody to buddy up with. Like in, in a lot of these teams, and we see this when we go with the other teams and we talk to other broadcast teams, and there's usually at least two. Right. So it's not like there's one knucklehead or one person that's struggling to be a professional. There's at least two. You're not going to find two with the Blazers. So because of that alone, I just feel like Hassan is is going to feel motivated and encouraged to be the best professional he can be. Uh, outside of sort of attitude and chemistry stuff, do you think he's do you think he's going to be a good fit just basketball wise? I, I do. I do. I mean, defensively, I don't even think we got to spend a whole lot of time talking about that, like his presence, shot blocking and defending and all that. But offensively, I remember my second year with the team, um, Blazers playing Miami, and uh, they threw Hassan the ball in the post. And at this time, I mean, I'd already seen him for a season up close. Uh, and then going into the second season, I'd watched a few of his games. But up until that time, I didn't really – think that he had a whole lot to offer with his back-to-the-basket game. Right. And they gave him the ball. I think it was a home game in Moda. I'd have to go look at the box score. I'll make sure to do this before the season starts. But they Miami gave him the ball, like, the first few possessions, and he scored or did something positive. Like, if not every time, it was 90% of the time. And he showed touch. He went high off the glass with a jump hook. He was facing up. And then I talked to the TV team afterwards, and I, and I said, does he normally do that stuff? Because I haven't seen a whole lot of that. Right. And they, they were kind of expressing, well, that's some of the frustration, you know, to the point of what you and I were just talking about. Right, it. right, right. They felt like he has more to offer but doesn't always offer it and this and that. So when you ask me do I think he'll be able to be a factor, yes, because I know he's got stuff in, in, in his uh, offensive package that has not been, been shown at a consistent level. And I believe he'll be able to do that with the Blazers because of all the things we just went over with him joining in in the culture and really thriving in. So I'm excited about that, his back-to-the-basket game. Um, I, I think you'll see some stuff you haven't seen a whole lot. And then just the lob threat alone. There have been times where I've talked to Damian and asked him, like, who's, who's been your best lob threat that you've played with? And, uh, you know, like the name that was fresh on his mind at the time, he was thinking like Mason Plumlee. Right. And I said, I, I said, I said, I'm talking about a guy that can be flat footed and the defense kind of slides up and all he has to do is take one step to the rim and you throw the ball up. And Dane said, J.J. Hickson. That yeah, was the it's name been that a while, right? Mouth. Yeah, that's the name that came out. And then he said Mason, too. And then I forgot the other names that he said, but those two were kind of set apart. And it just got me thinking, man, how good would this guy be if he had a true, elite, consistent lob threat where every time he's attacking into the paint, that that one defender, that that big that usually drops back, has to be precise in his decision-making as to how far does he come over to stop Damian and how much does he lay back to stop the lob. And and this year is going to be the first time we get to see it. And I, I just can't wait to see that because one improvement that Damien has seemingly made throughout each of his seasons is just becoming a, a slightly better passer mm-hmm. each time, the time, the timeliness being better, the accuracy being better. So 
Whiteside definitely fits in, uh, in my opinion. All right. Well, I, I think that's as good a place to leave it as any. Truly, truly appreciate you taking the time, Lamar. Uh, I'm sure my listeners do too. It's awesome. Um, if this is your first Locked On Blazers, uh, I appreciate you guys listening. If this is your 512th Locked On Blazers, I appreciate you guys listening. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they get podcasts. That's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud. It's also on the Himalaya app. I appreciate you guys listening. I will talk to you real soon.